Hi, I'm Phil from Waypoint Overland, and you're listening to Random Waypoints. All right, so here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Random Waypoints podcast. We'll be doing an episode every week. So like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell to make sure you don't miss an episode. This week, we have reoccurring special guest, Candy Skihan, and of course, my, my co-host, Michael Ladden from Drive the Globe. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Good to be here, Phil. All right. So it was suggested to me to do a little speed round thing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're going to start out with a speed round. So we're going to pull, I'm sorry, we're going to pull out the phone here and look at this list of questions. And the rule is not too much thinking about it. When I hit you with the question, whatever pops up at the top of your head. So we're not gonna. Many rules. We're, we're not good with following rules. Just to, just to. So this. since you're our guest, we're we're, not, we're gonna uh, start with Mike to give you like a a pathway. Okay. Okay. So the first one is Under pressure. Top five favorite states. Top five. Top five. In order from one to five or five to one. It doesn't have to be in order. Okay. Just your top five. Oh, of all time. The, uh, like all time I visited, not just, you know, in the last two, two years. All time. All time. I would say um, uh, from a beautiful standpoint, I would have to go with Alaska, Utah, Montana, Vermont. Ooh, five. Mm. Wyoming. Wow. Good list. All right, shoot it, Candy. Let's go. I have to go with my home base, Nevada. I got I to gotta shout out to that. So uh, Nevada, Tennessee, Alaska. Alaska's amazing. And uh, I love Wyoming, and I love Montana. Well, we're sharing some there. <laughs> How about you, Phil? Well, it sounds like our list is identical. Uh, Vermont, Wyoming, Montana, Alaska, and I would say Southern Utah. <laughs> wow. Our, our agreement amongst the three of us is pretty tight on these. Uh, yes. Pretty good. Okay. So yeah. what's what's next on our speed round? another one. Speed round. Top five. Now, we're, we're going to make this a little easier. So <laughs> top three list of um, top... <laughs> <laughs> Top five, top three least favorite states. It's oh, on you, Candy. We start with great. you. We're gonna, Candy starts it off to piss. Let's piss some people off here. Come on. California. Sorry. <laughs> Georgia. And Oklahoma. Top Sorry. three least favorite states. Well, I'm going to go with... Um, yeah, that's right. We didn't say why. I, I would say uh, my three are Iowa, California, Nebraska. Okay, my top three are Kansas, Alabama, and Texas. Okay. All right. So now we just, we probably offended maybe 10 states there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, my next one is, you said get a little controversial, so here we go. 
top pet peeves with social media. So I, I guess it's my turn to start off, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, I'm going right for the jugular. <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> no, it's for me. Top oh. pet peeves with social media. My top pet peeve is the most popular people in social media don't actually do what they claim to do. It's on you, Mike. On me? <laughs> Big pet peeves about social media. Yeah. Um, positivity, it would be my biggest pet peeve. Uh, the world isn't a positive place all the time. I'm more of a realist. I want to see real stuff. And uh, oftentimes social media is um, glitz, glam, and unreal. Mine is feeling the pressure to keep up with it all the time. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Mm hmm. I do feel a pressure to uh, keep up with social media. Mm -hmm. Right. I almost, I took a, a social media hiatus, which I do like maybe once every couple months, I'll take a week off or so. And then I almost, you almost feel guilty. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> All right. You guys ready for the next one? Mm -hmm. This one's on you, Mike, to start. Oh. Top pet peeves with the Overland community. I would say my number one pet peeve with the Overland community is uh, is excluding certain means of transport, meaning that in my definition, overlanding is done with either, it could be done with four wheels, it could be done with two wheels, uh, it could be a motorcycle, it could be a bicycle, it could be a Jeep, it could be uh, two wheel, four wheel drive. Um, and, I, and I think that oftentimes we, we we try to shrink it down somewhere amongst that area. It's your turn, Candy. Um, the stuff. There's a lot of stuff mm. that the overlanding community puts pressure on. You have to have this or you're not an overlander. And I don't agree with that. I think that you get what you need. You get what you know how to use and what you enjoy and what you'll get the most out of. And I don't need all the other uh, doodads and knickknacks. My pet peeve with the Overland community. Um, there's too much of a focus on off-roading and military look to things. Yep. Love the military, mm -hmm. so let's not get that twisted. Mm -hmm. But you, they want it. They want to dress and they want their vehicle to have like a military tone to it. Yep. Yeah. The off-road thing that you bring up is, is a good point. It's uh, Overlanding doesn't have to be off-road. You don't have to go off-road. No. You could go a year and not ever go off-road. Right. But my biggest pet peeve question that people ask when I go somewhere, did you overland to get here? <laughs> what on God's earth does that even mean? I didn't. If I didn't fly or take a boat, I clearly went overland. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So kind of like a bridge to that question or a segue from that question is one thing you would change about the Overland community if you could. Candy. Be more willing to share your experiences, your real experiences, and don't sugarcoat it. We want to we want to hear um, I, I want to know. What you're really doing out there, a lot, a lot of people, they do sugarcoat it. And if I could change one thing about what uh, they put out there, it's um, 
you said it too, it's, it's about keeping it real. Um, I want to know if I need to maybe potentially do something other than what I'm doing. You know, if that makes any sense at all. Absolutely. But yeah. So yeah. if I could change anything, it would be, you know, telling people, you know, we, we do want to see the reality of it. You know, I don't want to see, you know, too much of the raw nitty gritty, you know, but I, I don't want it so sugar coated that it's such a, you know, an over romanticized idea. I wouldn't allow people to be at the top of this industry who haven't gone on an overland trip. That's, I, <laughs> that's it. That's a good one. That is a great one. Uh, that's all. Some of the some of the top guys in this community, I'm still waiting for them to go on their first overland trip. Right. They right. they've 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 gone. Which goes a little bit to what Candy said about the gear. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're really good at strapping gear on the side of their truck. But and I know this is supposed to be a quick round, but since you brought that up. The gear part is one of the reasons why I don't like it, because they're telling you to buy gear that's not been through a year or two years. They they don't know if that's real, true overland gear. Mm -hmm. And people go buy it. Mm -hmm. And then they brag about, yeah, I saw, and then I went and bought bought it. I don't want to mention any names. (laughs) (laughs) The the big thing I don't like about the overlanding thing is is the word overlanding. Like, I, I would rather see it more um, or less exclusive and more broadly painted. So, like, I use the word nomadic a lot, um, whether it's, you know, a, 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 quote, van lifer or an overlander or uh, a jeeper or, Because the you know, spirit is the same. Because the spirit's the same. I agree with that. Um, yeah. It's getting out and doing things and seeing stuff. So, um, you know, to try to make it a broader category, I think, mm-hmm. is, is my big thing. I, I I just feel like they should just follow what the actual definition really is. If you're camping on the, I get one of my one of my, another one of my pet peeves is, I'll be talking to somebody and we'll get into a conversation about overlanding, and inevitably I hear this verbatim over and over again. Well, I've been I've been overlanding for 30 years. We just didn't call it overlanding, but no, you weren't overlanding. You were camping for a week or a weekend. You know you didn't overland. You didn't even leave your state. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Well, we're going to throw you right off this cliff here. All right. I think we're done with that one. Oh, this is a fun one since we were talking about gear. Favorite piece of gear on your rig? Who's first? Me? I'll go. Refrigerator. My Dometic refrigerator is such a game changer. I don't have to mess with ice. I love it. Go ahead. Uh, can I cheat? You can cheat. Go ahead. My two game changers would be my KTM motorcycle because it, it, it adds a whole other dimension of being able to travel around with not just my rig and, and Starlink. <laughs> I would say Starlink. I'm going to have to go with the same thing as as candy. Uh, I'm on my second refrigerator. Uh, The one I have now is Dometic. I had an ARB. But so I don't care about the brand. Having having that refrigerator was a big deal. It it changed how I uh, schedule out my itineraries. Uh, it decreased the amount of times that I had to go back to civilization. Did you find that it also altered the way you shopped? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Because that's uh, what I found. Like, uh, there were some things that were like, oh, no, this will this will drip into the ice on day three. Yeah. 
I, I get more fresh meats than I ever got. Mm -hmm. uh, I get more seafood than I ever got. It's one of the, t when people ask me what you need to get, it's definitely in my top th three things that I recommend getting to equip your vehicle with because food obviously is probably the most, second to water is the most important thing that a human needs, right? right. So yeah, the, the ability to store food opens up a whole another universe. Oh, I agree. Store food, store water, and some kind of living arrangements, whether it be a tent or an awning or a hammock or whatever it is. You got those three things, you, you're, you're more than halfway there. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, can, you can go on your first trip mm -hmm. when you get those things squared away. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next, guys? Okay. <laughs> Piece, of <laughs> Piece of gear least happy with on your rig. It's not me first, that's him. Oh, boy. <laughs> Piece of gear I'm least happy with. Oh, I, well, I, I can tell you, I'm sitting in it. Uh, chairs. I, there's no, there's no, I've, I've discovered over the years, by the way, these chairs are super comfortable, but there's always something wrong with a chair. It's either too big, <laughs> too bulky, doesn't fit somewhere, uh, you know, chair. I'm going to say my Rotopacks. I'm not getting rid of them. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to order and replace a couple of them. But um, you have to screw them on and screw them off and screw them on and screw them off until you get it just right so that they don't leak. And when you actually need to use gas, it's, it's a troublesome affair to get that <laughs> nozzle right to be able to pour your gas into your vehicle. So for me, it's my rotopacks. <laughs> You're dead on. So oh, my God. So to be, to be more specific, it's the gasoline rotopacks. Y yes. Okay. Right. Well, uh, yes. Okay. Because I have, I have water rotopacks. I do, too. They've never leaked. Yeah. My, I'm very happy with, with, with those because they, they have not. So I might give a tip. So what I've done is I've, t I've, I've got enough water rotopacks yeah. that I've taken some of those nozzles and put it on the gas ones. <laughs> so I don't have to bother with clicking that thing. I just yeah. pour the gas it's, in. It, by the way, that's not probably not Rotopac's fault. That, this is like, uh, you know, legislation in the United States. It's some safety, you know, bull crap with that little click, 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 click thing, which is, it's, it's infuriating. You want to take the whole thing off, throw it away, and dump the can. <laughs> yep. My least favorite piece of gear uh, for me would probably have to be my awning. I've had that pole bend so many times in the heavy mm -hmm. wind. It's just almost not worth putting out there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there are days I'm like, it's raining, but then... If it gets windy, it might bend again, and then how do I put it away? Oh, I, I got an answer for you. I'm going to show you the awning of your dreams when, okay. we, when we get back to the campsite. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here we go, guys. You ready? First thing I do in the morning on the road. So this is something uh, I want to be more specific. Not just what you do in the morning. Something that you religiously do. This is something you do every morning when you're on the road. Uh, so, if it's cold out, I hit my remote start to heat up downstairs before I put my feet on the floor. Um, otherwise, I make a cup of tea or coffee. Well, my, Some beverage. Mine is a two-parter because they're connected. I turn on my heater yeah. to warm things up, and then I open a shower pouch, and I warm up my shower pouch with the heater. <laughs> so I can, I'm, I'm totally clean before I leave out of the, the uh, tent. Coffee. 
I make my coffee. I don't do the heating up part because I try to avoid the areas where you have to do that. <laughs> All right, we're, we're winding down here. All right, here we go. I'm very curious as to the answers to this question. Most underrated gear in your kit? Can't say refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. So I carry a 20 by 20 Pelican case in my Jeep uh, because it acts as my trunk and it keeps me from having to, it's where all the little stuff goes. It's kind of my catch-all. So, because I, I think it's important, because I do, I have a, I have a goose gear plate system. So my, uh, my Pelican case is actually strapped down. So no matter what happens, if I slam on the brakes or whatever, everything is always strapped down in place so that nothing comes forward. Because that's a projectile. That, that could, you know, hurt you. So my Pelican case, the 20 by 20, that catch-all, I think that is my most underrated piece of gear. Because I don't even think about it when I use it. I use it to as a step to get upstairs. My dog uses it as a step to get upstairs. I use it as my catch-all. I sit on it to put my shoes on and change my clothes. I use it as a cooking surface. So yeah, I would have to say my Pelican case. Because I just, I don't even think about using it, but I couldn't live without it. You know? It just keeps everything so nice and organized. I'm going to go with what Candy said a little bit, like a, a storage stuff, because uh, I have these little chairs or my little stools inside my truck that I sit on. I, you know, I watch TV, or, you know, uh, or the computer on. I work, I eat, um, but they have little lids that come off and, and everything goes in them. I, I couldn't live without the storage stuff. You know, when when you're traveling when in such a tight space, any kind of nook and cranny to put stuff in is super important. Mm -hmm. I would have to say my front runner water storage system that I have in, inside my vehicle. Uh, it, it's just changed everything for me. Um, I stay hydrated more. I, and I, I know once I fill the tank, I've got water for weeks. I'm not worried about water. Brushing my teeth, I just pull pull the spigot out. I brush my teeth. I want to make coffee. I make coffee as many times as I want. If I'm thirsty, I drink. If I need water for a shower, it's it's right there, ready to go, stored, safe. It's inside my vehicle, so I'm not worried about it being uh, tampered with, especially with next year, me going south, and um, I want to really be cognizant of uh, my water safety. So I would say my front runner water storage. I don't know the official name for it. People would like to know the official, but it's a it's a front runner water storage. All right, that's all my my questions. If you guys have got some questions that you want to pop up, uh, feel free. Or if not, we can move on to the next thing. Let's go on. Let's do it. All right, we're gonna move on to the next thing, guys. <laughs> uh oh. There's a lot of laughing going on uh -oh. today, so I, I, mean, I don't know. I'm a little afraid. I'm laughing because I know where I'm headed. Oh, good. So, we're gonna kind of go back to some of these questions that we had. So, let's go back to the top five favorite states. I would like to know what is your criteria for your five states. And I, I guess I'll start with mine and give you guys an opportunity to think about it. Um, Vermont, I picked Vermont because 
365. It is always a visually beautiful postcard place to be, whether it's summer, winter, or fall. Matter of fact, a lot of postcards are actually photographed in Vermont. And then if you actually get there in the fall, which is obviously the most popular time, fall is my favorite weather, and it's like the ultimate place in the United States to see the fall colors. Mm -hmm. So that's why I pick Vermont. Wyoming, I like it because it's such a vast state with very few people, lots of wildlife, great national park, great national forest, great rivers and, and creeks and, and waterways for fly fishing. Uh, if you're an equestrian, great place to take your horses, a uh, lot of equestrian campsites. There's, there's no bad thing. If you need a some city flavor within your traveling in the state. Wyoming is, is an awesome place to stop and rejuvenate and get yourself back together. Uh, and then I'll just say ditto for Montana. I feel the same way about it. The ratio of people to uh, square mileage, uh, the, how visually appealing it is. Some of the top blue ribbon uh, waterways for fly fishing are in Montana. Uh, what were my other states? Utah, who doesn't know why, why Utah's on my list? I, I'm thinking if I ask 100 people, 98 of them are going to have Utah on their list. Th there's nothing bad to say about Utah's except it gets really hot. Uh, I love red rock landscapes. It's, it's some of the most beautiful red rock landscapes. Uh, if you're into geography and, and anthropology and history, uh, those rocks can tell you some wonderful stories. Uh, if Again, if you're looking for uh, a city, there's Moab. And I forgot what my other state was, so I can't get into that. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Mike. Well, let, let me give you the criteria. I think that's, a, for me, it's beauty and things to see and do. Uh, the second thing is the people. Uh, and the third thing in my criteria list is the ability, uh, particularly as a, as a full-time traveler, um, to find places to stay and the, um, uh, the accessibility uh, of those things and how open the, the state and the people are to that lifestyle. So that's kind of how I judge a state. Um, so, so as an example, you know, um, one of the states that does not appear on my list of top five that is beautiful um, would be Colorado. So I'm going to use that as an example. But I find Colorado is not a very friendly state for nomadic life um, uh, and the ability to stay places. So um, it, it, it certainly doesn't rank in the top five for me. So, so that's kind of important. Um, California being on my list had, had more to, it's certainly a beautiful state, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, that's for seeing things and doing things, but then there's a whole mess of other things uh, on the negative side from restrictions to prices of stuff to population and whatnot. So that, you know, um, so I think that's, that's how I do my criteria, which is how I end up with Utah. Um, I'll say ditto to what uh, Phil said, Utah, Montana, Wyoming are all states that are uh, fairly unpopulated with unbelievable views and camping facilities uh, is so easy. I mean, you can boondock just about anywhere, mm -hmm. off-grid, BLM land, 
Um, you know, you'll go through a town. Many of the little towns have uh, city parks, I'll call them, that you can camp for free. I mean, it's just amazing. They got dump stations and free water fill-ups and whatnot, I find, in those places. Vermont, same as what Phil said, always top of my list. I mean, it's just a, an amazing, amazing scenic state. Um, so that's kind of, that's how I, that's how I judge. All right, it's on you, Candy. So Nevada's my home state, and, you know, so it's home base for me. I love it, and it's got a lot of the criteria, you know, that uh, for for open camping and scenery and things like that. So, but, yeah, number one, it's it's my home state. I, I love it there. I love Nevada. <laughs> so uh, Tennessee, I love Tennessee. Uh, they've got amazing scenery, and it's a lot like Vermont, how you describe mm. that you like Vermont. Um, because no matter when you go, there is something beautiful to see every time of year. It is the picture postcard. And I think that, you know, it, it is probably um, just as well, you know, photographed. You know, Vermont Vermont is, you know, this is Norman Rockwell, USA, you know, out here. Uh, but Tennessee has got beautiful foliage and uh, wildlife and um, national parks mountains. and mountains and mountains and mountains. And, you know, interesting things that, you know, little hidey, little hidey things like, I discovered the the Nemo train tunnel recently, which which was very interesting um, and very creepy. But that it was a lot of fun to do that. Um, and then, of course, Wyoming, Montana. I mean, I can't compete with what you guys say because it pretty much just echoes what you think. You know, we all think they say there's wide open spaces and and just tons of things um, to 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 do. And um, I can't remember my last state <laughs> either. <laughs> you got to maybe narrow that down to maybe three states. I think, we all, to, I think we all covered four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to ask quickly before I get into this. When you guys are traveling, do you ever uh, attend events other than like Overland Expo? Like major, like festivals or concerts? Recently I have. I mean, I've, I've started going to some, uh, I'll call them van life events. So similarly in line with Overland Expo-ish, um, although they're not really expos, they're more focused on, um, I would say, meeting um, other travelers and finding out, because it's a big information share. So regardless of what kind of rig they're driving, you're all coming in and sharing information. Some of the places that I've actually traveled to in the last six months are because I found out from other people at some of those events. But I'll also go to, um, uh, yeah, you know, occasionally there could be a balloon festival or it could be, uh, you know, bring up Vermont all the time, you're going to go up to... Uh, you know, a, a, a fall foliage event or something. So there's other stuff that I, I definitely do. Okay. So do you, do you on your travels attend any events? No, I, I've accidentally attended events. I mean, I've accidentally ended up in, in uh, like, New Mexico's uh, balloon festival that they had. That's I smart. accidentally ended up there. So my question was going to be, give me your top three favorite events in the U.S., the Balloon Fiesta is my number one event. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yes. Yeah. I, it's I, beautiful. I feel like you should once in your overlanding nomadic life yeah. at least once attend the Balloon Fiesta. You'll want to attend again, but you need to at least do it once. It, it's one of the most visually appealing events that I attend in the whole United States. Uh, I've actually gone to the event and stayed, stayed there. Um, and I've actually 
found out what the way the uh, weather pattern was, and I've camped away and had them, you know, literally fly over my tent. It, it, and it's so many of them. It, it, um, I'm for the visual. Visual is probably the number one thing for a lot of things for me. And it's so that's why the balloon fiesta is number one for me. My number two event is in uh, Maine, the Lobster Festival. It's kind of, it's, it's not a real, it's in a small town. It's not huge, um, but it's got like rides. Uh, they cook lobster in every possible way that you could ever think of to cook lobster. But if you like lobster, you'll be in heaven. So those are like two things that I recommend to people all the time is the lobster festival in Maine and the Balloon Fiesta in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Anybody want to add to that or add an event or? So I will say that I have been to the Garlic Festival in Gilroy, California. California. Yeah. yeah, I know, but I, I, I do like garlic. But again, it was an accident that I was there to begin with, but it was a lot of fun. I did end up going, it was a lot of fun. And there are talks between myself and my husband when he does retire and we do travel about traveling the country, visiting all the food festivals. We like to eat. So um, we like the food festivals. And I will say too, though, I really like the wine regions in, uh, like um, yeah. I do like the events, like harvest time events that the, the wine regions put on too. So that's that's something else that you know that, that we're going to be doing once he does join me at some point. But we want to travel around and and visit all the food and wine festivals all over the country because that just sounds like fun. Well, with <laughs> that, I j just for the audience, uh, I'm one of the most of the questions that I get are about how do you plan your trips because mm -hmm. I do a lot of things on my trips. Mm -hmm. And I've actually taken a trip similar to that where I, I went to different festivals. Mm -hmm. Using festivals and events is a good way to uh, start your, your bare bones itinerary on where you're going to go and what you're going to do and you've got something to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these events have camping at the event or very close. Yep. Uh, and they usually have like carts running through the campsite so you don't have to worry about your rig. That's another concern of mine all the time is if I park my rig and I'm two miles away from it, you know, you don't have to worry about your rig. At the Balloon Fiesta, actually, if you uh, register in time, you can park your RV or your camper right at the event and just walk out. You don't even have to leave your vehicle to see the event. I don't know, with like uh, a tour, talking about going on tours, setting itineraries, like I'm going like on, whether it's vineyards or breweries, uh, and some of it is, I'm a member of uh, Harvest Host, which you could stay at these things. So, you know, you end up picking a thing going, okay, I got to drive from, you know, Arizona to Oregon. Let me, let me check and see what breweries on the way and set your course based on that. And oftentimes those are places that you can stay too, so. Um, you know, I mean, that, from a route planning standpoint, I look at kind of what is on the route on the way of where I'm trying to get to. Do you guys ever go to farmer's markets while you're traveling? Yes, yep. I love farmer's markets. Is that a preference or just something you do? It's a preference. If I can, uh, if I, uh, for instance, I went to, I went apple picking in Vermont. Uh, that was fantastic. I actually got to, and that was the first time that I'd ever done anything like that before. I was driving by the orchard, I saw it, and I had to stop. So I actually turned around and came back, and I spent a couple of hours just out there 
apple picking and just enjoying the scenery and it was just such a fantastic experience that was probably the largest farmer's market that I've ever been to but yes if um and um there was a really great one that I went to in Delaware one time but whenever I travel part of the immersion experience for me this is why I quote unquote overland or travel nomadically it's for the immersion experience I like to shop locally I like to eat what they're eating I want to you know know what what's going on and I want to enjoy and get to know the area that's part of of um the reason I travel this way you know it's it's you're not uh, traveling over something you're traveling through it yeah i so i, you, you, I yeah. want to be a traveler and enjoy it not a tourist and, and uh, food is i'm in total agreement with that, you yeah. right i mean what people do regionally is very different yes yes from what they eat so yes you know here we're sitting on the on the you know atlantic coast right now there's seafood everywhere here so this is a, this is a seafood capital a lot of fishing goes out of here gloucester is one of the largest fishing towns in all of america mm-hmm. so um, that's definitely what I do. Mexico in Baja, I lived on farmer market. I mean, that's all we, whether it was them bringing it to us, uh, camped in the Arroyo, or us going out and, and finding places. I mean, almost all of my food came from a farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Most of the people watching are, are, are U.S. travelers. They're, they're, they're not crossing any borders or not. Um, I'm trying to get people to start thinking about eating more healthy. I've lost 10 pounds on this trip, and partially it's because I've been hitting farmer's markets. I've been eating healthier. Uh, Non-processed. I mean, that's the big thing. Right. Non-processed foods. And when you go to the farmer's market, you see all those vegetables, and you're eager to buy them and cook them. Because they're beautiful. Yes. They look appetizing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I mentioned the vegetables, but there's usually some butcher, there's usually some uh, mm-hmm. cattle owner or sometimes an alpaca owner or something like that. Mm-hmm. You'll find exotic meats. So if, if you're a foodie like me, depending upon where you are, a farmer's market is the only place for you to get certain kind of foods. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll go to their grocery store and you're not going to find any of your favorite things. That, that's that been a big deal on this trip. Mm-hmm. Is Absolutely. that um, I couldn't find things that, that I'm used to eating on a regular basis. Like, it, it, it's been very hard to find liverwurst in Canada. Mm. <laughs> they don't seem to eat liverwurst. And I love liverwurst. Well, you bring up a point. Like, as a full-timer on the road, I mean, I very rarely ever go to the same grocery store twice, right? So every single time I go shopping, it's a new experience. You know, whether the brands, you know, you travel enough around the country, even in the United States, the brand of grocery store changes. You know, I've discovered all sorts of new stores. It's regionalized, right? It's not, very few things are national. So, you know, it's, a, it's always, I call it like mystery shopping. Every time I walk in somewhere, it's a new experience. So you never get used to your, you don't have a hometown store. So it's, it becomes a, it becomes, and I would say that's a challenge mm-hmm. uh, to being on the road too, is that you can't find your liverwurst. Whether that's a, because they don't have it in that region or you didn't go to the right store, you don't even know. You know, who knows? And sometimes, like, let's just stick with liverwurst. They may have the liverwurst, but their pigs are fed differently, exercised differently. (laughs) So it'll be a different, yeah. Right, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I found, I, I actually appreciate that and like that, that you have to have an open mind 
uh, when you're traveling, as far as I can tell, from eating because I think the the wider your open mind is, the yes. better, right? Because if you're tr- always looking for stuff that you're used to, that becomes challenging. Well, yes. I think you don't get the full experience either of traveling. That's part of the joy of traveling is, yes. you know, yep. whatever yep. they do there. Yeah. And, and thinking, speaking of that, like one of my rules is like if I go in a restaurant or a cafe or I'm eating with somebody, I don't try to, you know how people order something, but then they they reconfigure it. Can you do this? Can you take this out of it? If it's a local dish, even if it's something, give it to me how you guys eat it. Let me see how it tastes the way you, you guys make it first right. before I start start altering right. it. Right. When, you, when in Rome, do as the Romans. That's, yeah. that's my thing. I agree. Yes. Yep. So since we're on food, and I'm going to get off food, <laughs> share with me, both of you guys share with me, one of your most exciting food experiences on the road. So, okay, so my very first trip across country to Acadia, um, I'm a big seafood eater, and uh, I actually got to enjoy real Maine lobster on the side of the road, Mm. caught by the fishermen that very morning. Those are the experiences that I look for, and to this day, that is what, and I learned how to dismember a lobster. I had no idea, and I was embarrassed, I said, I, I'm going to need you to, you know, maybe help, help me, me out, out here. here a little bit. And he's like, here's your instruction sheet. They actually gave me an instruction sheet, which was very helpful. And, boy, um, they don't explain very well how to um, how to get your hands on the hot little bugger as you pull it apart. <laughs> but that was one of the best food experiences that I have ever had traveling, ever. And I just, I'll never forget it. Mexico in general. So, uh, obviously, spending six months down there last winter, I'm the guy that goes down the road, whether I'm on driving the truck or my, my motorcycle or riding a bike or whatever I'm doing, but I, I look at, the, at, the, at all the options and whatever looks to me like it might be the, the weirdest hole in the wall place that I can see is where I go. And uh, I found like Baja Peninsula going to get the little carnitas. And, and, and in fact, I found a place that's not too far from where I was camped that I would go every Saturday. They'd have a, a thing, you get two carnitas and a, and a cerveza for, uh, you know, 35 pesos, which is like a buck 75. And, and how do you go wrong with that? And they were huge and, and beautiful and tasty. And the place looked like something that the three of us would, not sure we would want to go into together. <laughs> and. And, but you don't, you gotta, you gotta kind of like just be open-minded. And uh, so, I, you know, my, I'm kind of famous for that now. I just go, every village I go to, and I can't wait till next, uh, this coming winter when I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be uh, backpacking or bikepacking the whole Baja Divide. Uh, so we're gonna be riding our bikes into multiple little tiny villages along the way. And I'm, I can't wait to just walk into the little local village thing and find my, my next carnitas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be so easy to cheat and mention one of the restaurants that I went to on this on this trip because I, I did a food show. I loved watching your feed. Yeah. It made <laughs> yeah. me hungry. Yeah, it made me hungry too. <laughs> so it would be so easy to just pick one of those restaurants and say, but it was actually not a restaurant, but it was in Alaska. 
uh, as I was going around, I was telling different people about, you know, they, they want to ask you where you're going, what you're doing. And I'm like, I'm filming a, a food show. Well, I kept getting people that were like, well, I want you to try something that I'm making. <laughs> so my great food experience was being in Alaska, having people compete with having the best food experience to give me. I had a family that was uh, in Homer, camp next to me. They were fishing for the winter, uh, and they were getting all types of salmon, and they shared salmon with me, and not just the regular way. We had uh, salmon tartare. We had salmon sushi. They showed me so many different—we had a salmon ceviche. I had salmon in so many ways I never had before. I camped with some hunters right across the border from Dawson Creek uh, near Gold Camp. Uh, I'm sorry, Chicken Camp. And they gave me some. They gave me moose nose. I didn't even know you could eat a moose's nose. <laughs> it was delicious. I didn't know it that was either. delicious. I'm sorry, moose tongue. Oh, tongue. I'm sorry. Okay. It was delicious. And as a going away present, they gave me uh, chorizo that they had made from wild boar, and they gave me some caribou meat that they had just killed and hunted. Um, Doesn't get much fresher than that. And I don't want to just keep going, because I could go on and on and on, but I just had so many experiences where people were like, oh, you food show, huh? Let me, sh and they wanted to like outdo the food show and show me, hey, no, I can cook better than that. So <laughs> it was my experience with the people in Alaska cooking for me. It, it, I don't think I'll ever have enough. I, I'm actually thinking of from now on when I'm traveling, just telling people I'm doing a food show no matter if I'm doing one or not for the reaction because they all want to cook for me because think about it food is brings people together all the time yes you know so that's the best way to meet people is through food yes i, I even had the food show was was a was a doorway to so much food mm -hmm. i literally had a lady come into the restaurant i was doing the show for and said when you're finished you need to come over here and try my food <laughs> and I had stuff like that happen. People were like trying to outdo each other. So it was the greatest experience culinarily that I've ever had. But it wasn't at a restaurant. It was the people. Nice. Um, what's your favorite food? My favorite food. I love seafood. I love lobster. I love crab. I love. So it's like it's more of a, you know. It's not one specific thing. It's I, I love seafood. I'm all about it. What about you, Mike? Uh, I love food in general, but I got I, I love uh, Spanish-inspired Mexican, and I love Asian, particularly Asian fusion stuff. Um, those are sort of the genres I like. Okay. Another question I have for you guys is. Do you have any favorite places to just camp? You're not going there to drive or to see historic things. Do you have any favorite places that you go just to park your rig and just sit there and enjoy yourself? For me, there's several places in Montana, several places in Vermont. They're, they're all in the five they're, states. Well, and that, and that's, I was going to say, that, that's what I would say the same thing. It's, it's the, it, that's why they're my five favorite states is because those are where the places I can go and camp and just sit there. And do now, you, you'll you sit this on this trip, 
I stayed in one place for 14 days. That's the longest I've ever camped in one place, yeah. ever. You, you, uh, that's nothing for you, right? Yeah, I mean, our styles, we joke, we were joking in camp, because I, I laugh, because these guys both driving their Jeeps, like, seems like they put, you know, a couple hundred thousand miles on in a week, and uh, I, I'm more of the style where I immerse, so I, I move much more infrequently, and I'll stay in a place longer, and then I'll bounce. But I, like I said, I mean, I also have the motorcycle on board, so I use the, you know, I use the truck as a base camp more, and I go out from and explore from there. So my style's a little bit different, but. Candy, what's the typical length of time that you camp in a place that you really like, you really dig this place? If I really like it, I'll stay th three days, maybe four. I just get bored. There has to be a lot going on for me to want to stick around. There has to be, because I'm a big hiker, I love to hike. So, you know, I'll put a backpack on and off I go. But there has to be a lot going on for me to want to stay more than three or four days. That's the truth, and I'm, you know, but and like I said, it's just you know, I'm not full time like you mm, are. It right. would be very, yeah. very different if it was. But I'm always on the move. I like to be on the move. That's how I travel. What would you say your average range, miles range is from one spot to another? How how, how far do you? What's a couple of hundred miles? The travel day, you're saying? Yeah. An average, well, it depends. So if I'm just taking my time, I won't want to go more than a couple hours away. And I, I, I do a lot of, you know, I do some research like the night before and decide, okay, well, maybe this is going to be cool over here. Or I'll talk to somebody and they'll tell me about some place that's really, really cool. So that can vary. But uh, if I'm trying to get home, I can drive. I can drive maybe 10-hour days to get cross-country no problem if I'm hauling, you know, to, to get to a, a point and then start taking my time you know, all the rest of the way. But it, it varies, though, you know. Are you a national park person? Oh, yes, sir. What about, I, I, don't, I never asked you that, Mike. Are you a national park um, person? I would say I would be average on that. Like, uh, I, I, I've been to m many of them, and there's a few that I really like. Uh, but I also have, uh, there's a few that I, I prefer, I don't want to say I don't like them, but they, um, th there, are, there are areas around the national park that are very similar that I would prefer to go to because they're, they're, they lack the, the people. You know, the problem with some of the national parks is they're very busy. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the direction that the national parks are going with the reservation systems? I'm frustrated with that. I am very frustrated with that because it takes a lot. It sucks a lot of the the spontaneity out of out of travel. You know, if I'm now now Yosemite, for instance, they are the one that started the whole thing. I think yeah. now and and every chance that I got, I would be I would I would drive through Yosemite National Park just for the the scenic roadway. And now you can't even do that, and it's so disappointing. It's like what's what's the point in you know having access to this if you really don't have access to it? Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think the problem here maybe is that not enough people are aware that there's a lot of other things besides the national parks. So, so the marketing was so successful that a lot of people think that that's the only places that you go are national parks. So they're, they're inundated, they're, they're overcrowded because there's a lot of people that aren't aware of the other 80 parks that are right around that national park that are similar, but nobody heard of them. Bouncing off yeah. of that, I've recently discovered state parks. Mm -hmm. 
So instead of national parks, I thought, okay, well, because of the population, mm -hmm. I decided, okay, they don't have a reservation system. I'm going to look into some state parks. And uh, this trip, I have actually discovered some fantastic state parks that blow some of the national parks out of the water. I can't, I'm just like, how have I never heard about this gem before? We're on the same page. Yes. Yep. And it was amazing. I was able to get into, uh, you know, camp the same day mm -hmm. and I had no issues. And it was just, I've had the best experience with state parks this trip. Some of the facilities are great mm -hmm. inside those parks. Uh, amazing scenery a lot of hiking yeah there's a lot of yeah i agree canada is another one the provincial parks are amazing yes, i love are. their parks yes yeah. they are uh america needs to follow their example absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah and i'm going to piggyback off of you on this also the national forest if you, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but a majority of the national parks are adjacent to national forests. Yep. Yes. Like, for instance, the Grand Tetons, the best camping is, national yes. forest. is in the national yep. forest. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Great just, spot just, back just up did in there. That. On either, and then the same thing on the other side of Yellowstone. Yep. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Yep. And I find mo most uh, glacier. Yep. Yep. So... so if you didn't catch anything else, a tip for you is if you're looking for good camping and you don't want to be in the structured setting of the national park. Or you can't get in. Right. right. Just, you're just literally out in the cold. You can't get in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Go so with well. the state parks. Go with the national forest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We would be remiss. Okay. So I'm, I'm watching the time here. <laughs> There's, unless we have something else we have to talk about. The, the three of us are sitting here. We would be remiss if we did not talk about solo travel, since all three of us solo travel. Yes, we're going to dig deep into this. I get a lot of questions about that, and I'm sure you guys do as well. Mm -hmm. So let, let's talk a little bit about the, 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 the benefits and the benefits, I guess, disadvantage of, of traveling by yourself. All right. Well, you, you 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 orchestrate this. You so uh -oh. you, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'll throw it out to Candy to start. How, okay. how about that? I mean, what? Tell me what you think. Uh, what what are, what are the? Because everybody, um, I think, looks at you know life on the road is glamorous, and you know you're on vacation all the time, and you know and it's going to be great. But like, t let's talk a little bit about the the, the not so glamorous side of it, and particularly the solo element and what challenges that presents. So I was in, uh, I was outside Gettysburg um, and I was camping in the National Forest just outside Gettysburg. My check engine light came on. I am not a mechanic and um, I am by myself. And here I am in the woods, in the dirt, <laughs> not knowing what the heck's going on. Is my engine going to blow up? What do I need to do? So I pull over and I just start poking around and looking around. You know, th that's, for me personally, the mechanical issues have been my biggest thing. I was in the shop three separate times in three separate states last year mm. on the road because we couldn't figure out what was really going on. So you're very dependent on other people. So the good news is you're by yourself and you're hanging out and it's all good. But the bad news is you're by yourself. It gets scary fast. It, it, whenever it gets real like that, it is very scary for someone who lacks that depth of knowledge. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a mechanic. Yep. Yep. So. I would say the number one thing for me is with solo travel, like what you were saying, everybody makes it look so glamorous. You know, they love to show their feet 
uh, in the tent and the beautiful scene out the tent. They love to show you them holding the coffee. But guess what? They had to get up. They had to make the coffee. They had to... If you don't, I've got a Forrest Whitakerism for you. <laughs> there we go. If you don't do it, it don't get done. That's right. So that's that's, that's right. the thing. There's yeah. nobody to, could you put the tent up today or can you do the coffee or you do lunch today? If you don't do it, it doesn't get done. If you don't feed yourself, if you don't set things up. So you're, 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 you're working constantly around the campsite. I think that's the thing is, is lack of teamwork. So, um, you know, and that translates into whether you're going to the laundromat or you're going to the grocery store or you're, you know, at the, at the, at the gas station refilling and resupplying or whatever, it's, it, there's no team involved. So it, that's, a, that's a challenge. Um, in some places even could be a security challenge where you, you can't watch your stuff and do something at the same time, you know, so... You know, we, I think we were talking about in camp yesterday, even, even going to a, a gas station out in the middle of nowhere sometimes, and you've got to go run in to either, you know, use the, the facilities or, or go, you know, you know, get water or, or snacks or something. And now your, 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 your rig is out there unattended, right, because you don't have that teamwork mm -hmm. to work with. And, and that brings in mind uh, solo travel. You, you have to be far more strategic. Yes. Like... Um, I pick groceries. If, I, if I'm going to a grocery store, I try to pick one of those old-fashioned ones where the whole front is windows and park right in front. So every aisle, I can look down the aisle and see my vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm in a town and I decide to go to a restaurant, I try to pick one where I can sit outside or I can sit right there at the window with mm -hmm. my vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're constantly aware of, I'm the only eyes and ears. I'm the only person. So you, you're working all the time. Well, and then, the, then there's the emergency weather situations mm -hmm. that come up. If I had not been by myself, I would not have gotten caught in the deluge that I was, you know, running from, which saturated the entire interior of my vehicle to the point where it actually, the water ran and dripped from the mattresses to downstairs. I had to find a, a place with a camping cabin where I could go and do laundry and kind of regroup for two days just to let everything dry out. Because guess what? I have nowhere to sleep. Right. Those cushions are right. saturated through and mm -hmm. there was no place. Now, so if I had had a partner, uh, we could have, you know, taken turns driving and gotten out of there completely and that situation never would have happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, let's talk a little bit about like, uh, mental the mental game of it too i mean i, I think most or, or many of us that are road warriors are are fairly solo kind of people and independent minded and everything else but having said that i think there's still times where you get lonely or yeah. it gets weird like i know for me like i i i I, I need downtime by myself. I love, I, I like spending time by myself. I don't have a problem going to a restaurant by myself and mm -hmm. things like that. But for a certain length of time, you know, if it goes on too long, you know, you know I don't know. I, and I don't know what that number is. I guess it depends on what your mindset is at the time. But like, let's say three or four days go by and you're by yourself. You start talking to yourself after a while. And then, you, then it gets a little weird for me. You guys have any of that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I do. Well, the, but and I really start, you know, missing sharing experiences with another person. Mm -hmm. Whenever it's super cool, I look at that and I'm like, wow, this is so great. And it would be yeah. just, it would be great to have someone go, yeah, 
Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We like, all can look and go, dog, wow, look at this view. Yeah. But we're all sharing that. Yeah. But if you're here by yourself, this And my dog's mean. well trained, but he's yeah. not that well not trained. That well. But we're working on that. <laughs> yeah. Duke, now get excited about this view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like my wife is not into the overlanding thing. So there are times, and I'm cool with that. But there are some times I'm in certain places and I'm like, man, I wish my wife was right here with me. I could just, we don't even have to talk. Just, just be standing next to me here. Sharing the moment. Yeah. Because the fact that she didn't see it and then you go home and explain it isn't the same thing. Not at all. Photos don't even Not at all. to cover it either. Matter I send pictures home. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. if yeah. I do take a picture of a place like that, every time I see it, I, I remember that I wished that she was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, yeah. so it's kind of a weird feeling when I see the, the picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, I get a little scared. Uh, you know, in, in some places I go, if it's totally new and I've never been there before, so I have no familiarity. And uh, like like Candy, even, you know, I, I am somewhat mechanically inclined, but still, if something goes wrong with my, my vehicle, I mean, you know, there's just the, the, the fact that I'm not, you know, there's no mechanic out in the woods or something. So you mm-hmm. get a little, you can get a little spooky. You know, I'll hear noises occasionally. I'll be like... <laughs> What was that noise coming out of the truck? You know, everything seemed, you know, I'm assuming, like I drive with the assumption that it's gonna spontaneously combust and blow up. Like I I do, I I drive with the negative and then when I get somewhere and I get, oh, look at that, it's positive, I made it. Rather than the other way around, I don't, you know, driving around with a rosy, you know, Outlook on everything all the time, and then something happens, and you're really disappointed. I just turn the radio up. Yeah, <laughs> that works too. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, are those only negatives uh, on the, on everybody's list for for solo travel? Ah, uh, you know. Hmm. Well, we covered safety. You know, my, safety well, is a big issue. Another too. one is yeah. treatment. Uh, they treat you like a stepchild when you go in a restaurant and it's just you. They, yeah. Uh, you go on a boat tour to the glaciers, everybody's looking at you funny because they're all coupled right. up and you're just yep. that one person. They're they always like, think well, you're either happened? a loser what or... Happened? Why is this guy single? You know, is he, you know, is he a weirdo? Right. Or, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right, there's definitely some of that, too. So sometimes I just wish I had... Uh, the, the uh, overland date. Yeah, yeah, an overland date. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and by the way, I, I also think sometimes, as we can all admit, people ask about your truck, your what you're doing all the time, right? Yes. We get approached all the time. The gas station walk around. The gas station yes. walk around. <laughs> I feel like maybe it would happen a little bit less if I had if I was with somebody. Because then you're, then you, then you, you know, the fact that you're single makes you more approachable. I think people are going to walk up to you because you're not talking to anybody, right. you're not distracted by anybody else. Yeah. So they see you, they're like, "Oh, there's there's somebody by themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. perfect opportunity. Let me go ask <laughs> if the if the big orange truck goes under the ocean." Because uh, yeah. And, and if you have a partner with you. Because you do enjoy talking to people about the truck. Well, I'm an introvert. But the times that you're a game show host. (laughs) (laughs) But the times that you don't, that other person can be the bad cop and be, hey, Mike, we got to go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you lack the bad cop thing. Yeah. And another negative is there's a lot of things 
it, where when you're places where a lot of travelers are, they usually package things for couples. They'll have mm-hmm. a disc special discount for yeah. for the couple where it's only a few more dollars than what I'm paying by myself. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. I, I yeah, I mean uh it's it's different. I mean, there's positives to it, I guess. I mean, if you want to... Let's go into that. Let's go into it. Yeah. I mean, I think a positive is that you get a lot of reflection time. You, you, you do what you want. So there is nobody else. There is no compromise, necessarily. There's nobody else to say, you know, I don't... Geez, I really didn't feel like doing that hike today. <laughs> you know? Um, so... Or riding selfish, that bike. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> from a selfish perspective, I, I, you can do what you want whenever you want to do it. I'm social in spurts. Yep. Uh, so that's why solo travel is just excellent for me. You know, like we'll, we're going to go to this event. We're going to feast. We're going to party. We're going to have fun. We're going to socialize. And then we're going to retreat. And, yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> Overland Expo is a good example. We're all going down there next week. By the time I get done with that weekend, I have I have spoken more in one weekend than I than you know the six months prior to it. I am exhausted. We're dehydrated. We're yeah. exhausted. We're ready to crawl and in, back into the woods and just be left yeah. alone for yeah. a while. <laughs> and and, I, and another thing, I, I want to give a, an example to make my point. I got invited to go on a trip with a bunch of guys to do the Oregon backcountry discovery route. Okay. And. I was kind of eager to do it, but I was eating dust the whole trip. Mm-hmm. Oh, so after fun. two days, I said, hey, guys, uh, you, you know, everyone else had never done it. I was like, let me remove myself. That's less dust. You guys enjoy yourself. And then I went to Vermont. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, we were... We were, like, uh, stopping and camping in short spurts, and I'm like, I do this trail in two days so because that's my pace, but I had to go with the pace of the group, and I I hate going with the pace of the group. It's very difficult unless you just happen to be naturally the same. Pace is a big thing. Yes. Big thing. And if the other person isn't into photography or social media or anything like that, they don't want to stop when you want to stop. They, they're like, he stops at everything. And, and I'm even if I wasn't taking pictures, I would stop because I want to see it. I'm usually the one. I'm volunteered to get into the at the back because I trail so far behind. I'm always, they're like, where is she? Where is she? Well, I'm stopping and taking a fi- picture of the bug that I saw on the flower on the side of the trail over there. Yep. You know, that's, yep. that's me. And see, there'll be a person that'll be upset with you yeah. because they're like, we keep having to wait for her yeah. when you probably just go ahead. I got it. Yeah. Eventually, I'm just like, just go. Enjoy yourselves. Just just leave me here. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that is a big thing for sure. That, and that's an advantage of, of, of being solo. It, you have to compromise with a group of people. And the whole thing is, this is my freedom. I don't, I don't want anything shackling me. This is my freedom. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go where I want to go. You know, there's sometimes that I just don't want to, I'll have an itinerary and I don't want to follow it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm with a group and we've agreed on this itinerary, I'm stuck with it. Right. I have literally uh, got to the first campsite of something and decided to go a, a whole complete other state somewhere a different direction, opposite direction. And you can't do that with a group of people. Right. No. 
Right. And then you're all crammed in the same space, and it's just... Yeah, I have a tough time with that. Top, too, top I, of each other. I'm a big proponent of, like, of the less planning, the better, because my, I find the more you plan something, the greater the chance of failure, right? Because something's going to go wrong. <laughs> so I, I tend to plan less mm-hmm. and try to stay as flexible as possible. And, and, and I agree with Phil. Like, there's times I, I'm, I set out in the morning and I'm going there and then, you know, you know, I don't know, some shiny object appeared that way. And that's the way I go. But with a group, you know, then it's a big discussion. Hey, who wants to go this way? Because you don't want to tick anybody off and you want to play well with others. Mm -hmm. And And I I find myself doing a lot of pre-screening of people more because... (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about that. Well, like, okay, let's let's go with, with, let's go with like probably one that we'll all agree on. I'm retired. I've got freedom. Mm -hmm. Usually the person asking to go on the trip with me has to get back. Right. So they're trying to do everything in two weeks yep. that I would might I might do yep. over a whole summer. Yep. Mm-hmm. So or they're taking forty-seven phone calls from the office or something, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, it's interrupting what we're trying to do or whatever because you're, you're on a different your your minds are in different places in life. And the way I schedule things, my whole thinking is different than a lot of other people's. You know, like I schedule big events during the week. Mm-hmm. And they're used to doing things on the weekend. Right. Oh, I avoid the weekend Me too. rush. Oh. Yep. So it's, it's even... I never know. I think every day is Saturday, but 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 then, <laughs> but then but then I like when it really is Saturday. I go, oh, this is when you got to lay low because uh-huh. like you just avoid that because that's what everybody else is doing something. Yeah. Yeah. The psychology of the trip is different from me to a lot of other people. So it's just, it's not conducive for them or me to get together and go on a trip. I've just come to that realization. I have to really like you and like even you, I can only deal with you for a short period of time. (laughs) Yeah, like the last, has it been like four weeks already? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But I I think there are far more positives to solo travel than there are, at least for me, than negatives. And, um, that makes me also want to cover a, a, a subject that's related, especially since you guys are in education. It's like a taboo thing to talk about solo travel. And when you do, you just make the quick blurb and say, well, I know there's solo travelers out there. Be careful. But you should be with somebody. And they kind of leave it at that. And they don't really address it. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I teach that at Expo, the art of solo travel. That's one of the things that I that I teach at the Expo. So... I think that a lot of, I think whenever people say things like that to other folks, I think it's um, very condescending because mm-hmm. they assume that you're a newbie and you don't know what you're doing. Because I'm like, yeah, I, I travel, you know, because I'm on several pages for Jeep owners and stuff and groups on Facebook and things like that. And they're like, don't go alone. Never just don't do it. It's not safe. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I have more experience than all of you put together, mm-hmm. and I'm going alone. <laughs> right. And and it's okay because it's okay. I have the I have the level of experience that I'm comfortable going alone and dealing with most situations. But I think as far as it needs to become more mainstream and 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 addressed more, because I go everywhere yeah. and. See, From my observation, there's a majority of people traveling solo. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So why act well, like it's only some a few of this people? Is coming out of the four-wheel community mm-hmm. thing because it was taught early on 
that you never go out in the woods by yourself. One vehicle shouldn't go anywhere by itself because you always need backup vehicles to pull somebody else out or whatever. So it's really a, a off-road mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the problems and challenges that you have when you start talking overlanding and getting confused with you know, off-roading. I would have never learned to off-road if I waited for everybody else to come with me. My days off were so messed up. I had maybe one, you know, one day off on a Tuesday, Mm -hmm. half a day, and I wanted to go out and do my thing. I went out at night. I didn't have lights and all that stuff. And I just, that's how you learn is you go out and you do it. I just thought, I'm not dumb. Right, you fail forward, you make mistakes, but you learn and then you know, you you get the art of self-recovery. You know what, you can and cannot do. Yeah. You know where the limits and the boundaries and things are. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't buy into any of that. No. You, you have to have a group or to do. Yeah. You know, forget it. I agree. I, I've had more issues when I'm with somebody than I when Me I was too. by myself. Because inevitably, there, and there's somebody in the group that is either a less experienced, inexperienced, or just plain dumb that does something stupid. Yes. And then you, you as a group, all have to deal with this. I, Whereas if you were by yourself, you would never have done their dumb thing. Mm-hmm. That, that is my number one complaint with traveling in a group is whenever you get around a bunch of people, all of a sudden everybody gets all excited. Hey, I can go up that mountain. Mm-hmm. Can you go up that mountain? Well, I don't think that's a trail, boys. Right. I think that yeah. maybe you should rethink that a little right. bit. And they're, they're doing it. Yeah. And you're criticized as the killjoy for right. saying that looks like it's a bad idea. But then when they get stuck and you have to recover them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a bad idea. Yeah, it was. It turns out it was a bad idea. Yep. I agree. <laughs> There's also conflict in, um, I, I don't know how to say it. Um, I don't know how to say it. I'll come, come back to me on that one. <laughs> but um, so, solo, I'm going to try and figure it out. Solo travelers, because because you're a solo traveler and if you've done it for any extended amount of time you're pretty meticulous about upkeeping your rig and making sure that you have everything that you have and it seems like every time i go with a bunch of people half my stuff i'm handing it to them to use because they they didn't forgot a fork (laughs) no no fork no cup no tow rope no there's always something missing yeah everybody because because i think the mentality is Somebody else will have it. I can just drive in there and show up, and somebody will have it. Hey, hey, you got a fork? I need a, I need a, you know, I need a cup. I need. This. We're looking I need for that. cups. Anybody yeah. got cups? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, nobody's got a ratchet strap. Does anybody have this? You know. Lucky for me, Midland sponsors this podcast. Do you know how many times I have handed somebody a walkie-talkie and never got it back? <laughs> I, know, I know. Oh my god. Yeah. At some point, Midland is going to get tired of me. Right. Yep. But I, I, I'm serious. I've handed so many yep. people, yep. Uh, yep. and it's like it costs more for you to ship it back than yep. just keep it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, that's very generous of you. Do you have something I could borrow? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. When, when, when it's something you really like or expensive and you've handed it to somebody and you don't get it back, when they should have had that thing. In the first place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it'll—I mean—it'll be like something really basic. Like if you had written a list, this would have probably been one through ten. So one, that, of, one of the negatives I could think is is like so. What, what the three of us have shared a camp for the last couple nights. What, what's great about 
having other people and sharing stuff is, you know, well, which is coming up soon, getting hungry. We uh, we go, hey, what are we having for food? And then everybody, you know, disappears for 30 seconds to a minute and is rummaging through their, their refrigerator. And, uh, hey, how about this? I got cheese. You got a burger. I got this. How about some salad? You know, that that part is good. Um, you know, the camaraderie of being with people. And I, I, I will, uh, to tag onto that, you know, I solo travel, but maybe, and I would like to hear what you guys' thoughts are on this, but I tend to never be by myself. Um, you know, maybe it's the nature of where I've gone and what I've been doing, but I'm like very often traveling with other groups or other people that I meet or going into an event or just meeting somebody at the, you know, at Baja was a good example of this. I, I mean, I shit, I was parked in a, in a, in a you know, a dry riverbed and people would come by and next thing you know, they camp nearby and now I know them and now Do we're having dinner. Do you think that's so. because of the brightly colored truck you have? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I, I do have to agree with you. Uh, we've been talking like uh, we don't see people, but... I interact with people. People will follow me on the gram, and they're like, are you headed to such and such? Well, when you get there, let's do a trail or let me feed you or, or, or whatever. So there's, there's absolutely a lot of socializing that I do on the road. Actually, I probably do more socializing on the road than when I'm at home. Because when I'm at home, I'm at home obeying. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a soul, it's, a, it's a weird... It's a small world, I guess. It says, who would have thought the three of us would be here, sitting here in Massachusetts right now? We definitely okay. didn't plan no, it. There was no plan for that. There was no plan. No. No. And, uh, you know, and then the last time we all saw each other, we were on the opposite coast. Yes. So so that's actually a benefit of solo, because if if I had my crew of, of six rigs, I couldn't have brought them here to you to hang out, but I, yeah. or even get them all to agree to want to come. Yeah. Right. But it, right. But you was like, hey, I'm here. And I was like, hey, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> I got a text from Phil. Incoming, be there in two hours. Whoa. I thought he was in Alaska. <laughs> well, and I was in that emergency situation. Yeah. Yep. And I see him. He's posting that he's coming in back into the country. I'm like, hey, I'm in Maine. You're coming into Vermont. Yeah. Let's maybe talk about, you know, getting together. And what do you think about that? And then all of a sudden, we're all three getting together. And it's really, it, our community is so warming and welcoming. Yeah, we travel by ourselves but I really appreciate you guys welcoming me to your campfire and now to this unexpected podcast episode <laughs> it's been fabulous and you guys are just really great but I do I really appreciate the community for this kind of camaraderie there's a lot of support uh, there's a lot of uh, support structure that you know people are very supportive you can reach out online I get messages all the time on my social media. It's like, hey, you know, what, what, what do you think about this? Or I'm building this or I'm going there. Have you ever been there? You know, stuff yeah. like that. So it's a it's a there's a lot of helpful people, mm-hmm. people who are really part of the, the community. It's very social. People are on the same page, very like minded. Um, it, it's if I know somebody's a traveler, I'm halfway there in my mind thinking that's a cool person. Right. <laughs> We're going to be somewhere on the same page. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about where we're going real quick from here. We're all going to Overland Expo. Yeah. What are you looking forward to at Overland Expo East? For me, I'll start. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, it's just seeing people on the East Coast that I, I don't get to see unless I'm on the East Coast. Um, 
And I enjoy the events. I no longer take the classes. I do the media thing. But I, I, I enjoy seeing uh, companies with innovative things, truly innovate. There's people who just copy stuff, obviously. But then there's guys who are really, truly innovating. And I enjoy being there at the cusp of them starting out and, and beginning and being able to see them a year later or two years later and be like, yeah, I remember when Shower Pouch was some novelty. I remember when... Uh, Expedition Overland had some raggedy tables and now they got this pavilion, you know. So I like seeing the growth of people at the event. I like socializing with people, meeting new people. There are many people that I have interacted with and rendezvoused with in other corners of the world, other parts of the United States that I met at Overland Expo. Uh, there are some people we only see each other at Overland Expo. Uh, I have a friend. He knows who he is. Uh, one of the sponsors. We have a tradition at Overland at every Overland Expo. We have a meal before the event. Uh, so I, I have traditions that I I have. I, I love it. And expos are an excuse for me to travel. I always turn my little. Uh, uh you know, heading toward the expo into a little trip. So I look forward to, to seeing new things. And every time I, I, I'm like, hey, honey, I'm getting ready to go to, to expo, whatever it is, what am I going to see cool this time? You know, I, I look at it and I try to figure out what am I going to what am I going to see? But no, I love the people. The people are fantastic. The community is really uh, amazing and warm. And um, I just I've never been part of of a community like that before where everybody is just so welcoming and and um so yeah i just uh, they're they're welcoming and friendly and it's people from all walks of life it's the diversity of of personalities and, and people and and rigs and everything just it's it's amazing to me and i just i really enjoy the social aspect of it not for you know to be there and and, and all of that you know to party and whatever no it's not that it's people are so interesting i really enjoy just meeting the, the people and hearing about their story and about their travels and the who what's and why's you know i learned so much from not just the structured learning Sometimes I'm just walking through the camp area and I'll see something and I'll ask a person a question and we'll have a conversation and I, I learn something new. It happens every time. I matter. It happens so often that newbies to the event, I always tell them, don't be shy. People want to talk about their rig. They want to talk about their travels. So if you got a question, if you're curious about something, just, just speak right up. Mm -hmm. And people uh, love, like I said, they love to talk about it. So they're going to answer your question. They're probably going to give you more information than you ever wanted. <laughs> I find time to go and actually uh, look at the in the camping areas oh, and expo because yeah. people, there's always somebody out there who's going to know more than you. And it's like, how'd you do that? And what's that? And can you show me that? Wow, what'd you do with this? Holy cow, <laughs> you know? So with that, what did you think of the rigs in Pacific Nor at the Pacific Northwest one? Because I was impressed. They were different than some of the others that I've seen uh, at the other expos. Mm -hmm. I think regionally, I think a lot of people, you know, come together. So I think each expo has something regionally and just a little bit different sometimes, you know, sometimes. Um, everybody, there's a lot of Jeeps out there, and there's only so many products available. So there's a lot of things that you see a lot of. But then, like like up in Oregon. I mean, like we just saw some of the coolest stuff and uh, yeah, it was just different. Oregon really, was the most diverse. Yeah, I really liked sure. it. I'm super excited to go to Overland Expo because A, 
I've been fairly stationary the last two months. <laughs> so it, I, it's like going back on the road. I'm excited. But but the most important thing is, is us sitting here right now. This is what I go for. We all met at Overland Expo. That That's how we met. Yep. So I go for the people. And, uh, you know, it's like a reunion every every event. It, uh, you know, you go see people. You, and But every year, even more importantly than that is you meet new people so you know that's and i really look forward to the the wealth of information and and the sharing of the information is is where it's at i also i love seeing a person it's their first expo they're not even sure they that they're 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 trying to figure this thing out sometimes they're not even sure they're supposed to be there right You know, and I, I love seeing their transformation, and maybe we exchange social media, and then following them, and then they added a rack or whatever, and you see them, and then they go on their first trip, and then you see them at the next event, and then they're like, you know, and they're uh, teaching, yeah, and they're, and they're teaching, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's cool. That's that's how it worked out for that's me. That's how it worked out. <laughs> and for us, though, we're going to East. This is us coming full circle because that's where we met. That's well, correct. We, the, all of us. We met. actually did. We all yeah. met. You're right. Uh-huh. I didn't think so of that. We all circle. met in the East. Well, we yeah. knew each other before then. We've yeah. known each other since uh, Vermont Overland. I'm yeah. just referring to me. Yeah. But yeah. right. But we all came together at East. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this will be my third expo of the year. You're. Did fourth. you do all of them? Yeah. This will this be year. my fourth. Yeah. And, and both of you will be teaching or instructing or something at at, at East, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you look forward to that if you want to see yeah. these guys. Yeah. And you are, you also, uh, are you in the do-it-yourself? Will you be showing off your rig this time? That's a good question. <laughs> you don't know yet. <laughs> you just really don't know until we get there. <laughs> I, I will be. That's where I'm located in the, in yeah, the if you, uh, if you um, DIY area. If you've ever seen his rig on social media and you'd like to get a more up-close look, he'll definitely be in the do-it-yourself. You can't miss his rig. It's the biggest orange thing in the whole place. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's what we got for today. Well, no. Where are we going after uh, Overland Expo? We're going to get food. East. Now. No. Uh, we're going to be at the uh, gathering in Hendersonville, uh, North Carolina. I believe that's the weekend following. It's the Overland following Expo. weekend. And um, that's Hopefully, be- I will have some information right here when people are watching it. Right here. Um, and then... Uh, and then we'll part ways again uh, and then see each other all probably, you know, I don't on know. On the opposite coast. Yeah, so it definitely be on the opposite another coast. Another time, another place. We're, we're going to the gathering. We'll be doing a couple of podcasts before a live audience there. Uh, the organizers of this event, you can look them up on Instagram, Staples Intense. So if you're curious about that, uh, just Google Staples Intense or go to Instagram, Staples Intense, and it'll tell you all about the event uh, and say hi if you come because we'll be there that's right come see us we're good we're good all right um, so in case someone didn't see the first uh, podcast that we did where we interviewed you mm-hmm. and you told us everything about you I, I'd advise you to, to watch it because it's a great story she has to tell so if they didn't see that how does someone find Candy Sheehan. Uh, it's Candy Skihan, and I'm on Instagram, Chicks Do It Too. I'm also on uh, YouTube, same name, Candy Skihan, Chicks Do It Too. 
That's Chicks Do It Number Two. Number two. Hopefully, Check her that, out. hopefully it'll be right here. <laughs> right there. All right. Are we uh, is is that it for this podcast? I think so because now we're gonna go enjoy some uh, food and uh, campfire. Campfire. It's getting a little cold out here yeah, up on the hill. It's getting chilly, man. All right, everybody. You know what I'm going to say. Stay safe. Tread lightly. And hopefully I'll see you here or on the trail soon.